It's my pleasure to welcome to this week's show, Deepika Mukherjee. Welcome. Thank you. I appreciate being invited, Janine. I heard about your book, and could you tell the listeners a little bit about it? Yes. Uh, my book uh, starts off in the voice of an Indian-American young woman in her early 20s who goes to India to visit relatives, as many young women from here do. And she kind of gets caught up in a nightmare in the sense that she steps off um, a railway, uh, uh, you know, it, during a trip um, in a railway station at the wrong place, and the train takes off without her. Ooh. So she's essentially, <laughs> she's, uh, essentially stranded in this unknown place. And, uh, you know, she doesn't speak the language like many Indian uh, women uh, growing up in America, America don't. And so she has to rely on a doll seller uh, to take her home and sort of, you know, help her out. And the doll seller is, uh, has lost his baby. So oh. she gets caught up in this child trafficking ring that involves international adoption. So wow. there's a very serious message underlying this, but it's generally a really kind of fast-paced chase to find this baby to kind of look at the main protagonist, Iris, and look at, you know, what happens as she gets lost and then found. Yes. And it's a story of love and growth and uh, basically discovering yourself and India. Amazing. What inspired you to write this? And by the way, the title of the book is Shambhala Junction? Yes, it is. It's Shambhala Junction. And uh, what inspired me to write this was actually... Uh, many years ago, I think I was in Texas, and I was reading one of the Indian-American like newspapers, so they're usually distributed free, and they had a little article about babies for sale um, in India, and it talked about international adoptions and how much parents in America were willing to pay for an Indian child, and it could go up to about $40,000 easily. Um, the tone of the article was very kind of uh, messianic, like, oh, well, you know, these kids are dying on the streets and they have such poor lives and maybe, you know, being adopted into America is not such a bad thing. But uh, underlying that story was, of course, the message that there's a lot of corruption, like if children are being sure. bought and sold, I mean, this is obviously not a good thing. So it got me thinking and it got me a little angry about the geography of privilege, like, you know, okay. how people who live in the West obviously have the money to buy people who are not doing so well right. and how messed up all that is. Yeah. So I started looking more into it and I realized that there was a real problem. And if you look at, like, you know, Brangelina's, like, kind of, Oh, yeah. There's Rainbow Children, Madonna, you know, adopting from Africa and things like that. All of this has been sort of made into a Hollywood kind of a buzz thing. But it really, it creates a lot of difficulty for a lot of families around the globe that are not, you know, part of Hollywood. So right. I just wanted to shine a light. Yes. Did you see the movie Lion? I did, yes. yes. And it sort of touches on that, yes. Yeah. I, I thought it was a very powerful film. I love that film. Absolutely. And it, it kind of touches on the same thing in the sense that he's not an orphan and he spends right. most of his life trying to, you know, deal with some of the memories from, you know, not being an orphan and being adopted forcefully in a sense anyway. 
And of course, the book sort of touches on the brother character who has even more, you know, deeper issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, this kind of international adoption is not often, you know, seamless or unproblematic. And I just wanted people to not sort of give up on it because that's obviously not a solution. But I do want people to sort of be a little more thoughtful in terms of the decisions that they make, especially if they choose to buy a child abroad. Right. And um, congratulations. I know you won the Virginia Prize for Fiction, uh, UK Literary Uh Prize for your coming-of-age, for this coming-of-age novel. What does that feel like? I mean, have you always wanted to be a writer? Uh, yes, thank you. Yeah, um, it, the Virginia Prize was a tremendous validation, and yes, I I sort of always wanted to be a writer. I think I had my first poem published in a newspaper in Wellington, New Zealand, which is where we were living at that time, um, when I was about like 11 or so. And, uh, you know, just seeing your name in print and then having other people reading your work and telling you how much they enjoyed it, all of that was was very, very addictive. So I think I knew from a very young age that I wanted to write. Um, But, you know, I mean, as all writers probably tell you on this show and otherwise, it's it's a long road. It stays with many, many rejections. Oh, yes. (laughs) So winning a prize of any sort is really a big deal, and this was a big deal. Um, And I'm very grateful to Aurora Metro for sort of, you know, picking me up from... Um, you know, many, many others, uh, some of whom I listened to at the Richmond Literary Festival, and they were also deserving. Fantastic. So here's the question, because the theme of my show is get the funk out, and we we all face these ups and downs, and especially as a writer, you know, rejection, as you mentioned. How do, do, you, how do you stay positive? Um, I think my way of dealing with this is that um, I I don't write for more than let's say, uh, three or four hours a day, if I can help it. Sometimes when I'm finishing a novel, I go into these marathon spurts where I literally write all night and it's dawn and then I don't realize it. Um, But, you know, I'm also a social linguist, so I do a lot of academic research on Mm -hmm. language change and migrant populations uh, in different parts of the world. So being able to switch my mind from academic research, which is very cut and dried, and, you know, you you publish things because you finish some research, and then it's out, or you teach that, so, you know, there's kind of an end in sight to what you're doing, and then devoting part of my time to writing, which sometimes has absolutely no end, <laughs> I think that keeps me sane. Um, and I also think that it's important to sort of have a group of writers whom you really trust. So oh, yes. no matter where I've lived, I've always had critique groups, you know, that I work with, usually about five to eight people, and we meet regularly or at least keep in touch regularly so that we're kind of like, you know, just talking each other out of this funk that... Yes. You know, yeah, it, it affects us all, absolutely, without question. Yeah, you need that support group. You need uh, people that are willing to cheer you on and be honest with you and, you know, help guide you. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, it's also great to have people in different stages of their writing. Sure. And also doing, you know, different things, because that also, in a sense, takes you out of this very insular kind of uh, mind space that you get into when you're writing and you think you really are at the center of the world and whatever is happening is be all and end all. So, you know, sometimes when you kind of 
get out of that and talk to other people who are also in similar mind spaces, you realize it's really not just you. So that's, that's very useful. Yes. Where would you like to see this book go? I mean, it almost feels like a film. <laughs> Everybody sort of asks me that. And yeah. you would love to see it as a film because I think, um, you know, uh, Lion sort of dealt with some parts of it, but I think that uh, there are just so many people around the world being affected by these issues that I would really love this to be a movie that mm-hmm. uh, that gets taken worldwide and, uh, you know, talked about. I think I really don't, I have not written a novel that hasn't touched on political issues in some way. So I am more than delighted when somebody completely unknown sort of writes and says that I'm really glad, you know, you wrote this because it's opening up a dialogue in XYZ, you know, community. So I would like this to be, of course, read by the adoption community at large, uh, certainly in America and elsewhere. But, yeah, if it's made into a movie, it will really touch, uh, you know, more people than a book will. Yes, fantastic. Yeah, I hope that happens. Where can people find out more about you? Do you have a website? I do. I'm at uh, www.dipikamukherjee.com, and... uh, I do have a you know Facebook page for Shambhala Junction where which I keep updating with my appearances and things like that. Um, so yeah, I mean these are the two places. I have a Twitter handle, but unfortunately I'm really not that much on Twitter. Okay, so, that's all right. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I really have loved chatting with you, and congratulations on this book. I know it's been out for a couple of months. Been out, uh, yeah, for a couple of months, but I just launched it in Malaysia. So I in see. fact, uh, yeah, I just came back from Malaysia, so it's just coming out in Asia and you know parts of the world. Fantastic! It's been great chatting with you. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you, Janine. Me too. I'm so, again. Thank you for inviting me to the show. Oh, you're so welcome.